Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hi, it's Finn Dwyer from the Irish History Podcast, and this is a Staycast from Acast. Please, please, please follow the government's advice right now, which is currently to stay at home where possible. While you're staying at home, I would recommend another great show that's worth checking out. It's Unexplained by Richard McLean Smith. It's a beautifully produced and gripping show that looks at unusual and sometimes unnerving occurrences from the past and present. It's perfect escapism. Check out Unexplained on the Acast app or wherever you get podcasts. Hello there and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and today joined by Chris Woff and Mark Douglas. The lads are back from Germany and on Sunday it's Verona, the last pre-season game. Um, and this time it's at St James's Park. And we're going to start with a little bit about Germany. Obviously Lee, while I was over there, he's on a well-earned break at the moment. So um, we'll start with you, Chris. What do you think Rafa kind of got out of the trip to Germany? Did he see uh, the kind of the play from the players that he, he wanted to see? Well, I think first of all, the fact that it was they were both short haul trips. They only spent one evening there for, for one of the games, and the other one that they were basically there and back. Whereas you see a lot of clubs have gone around the world and and are, have got very hectic schedules because of that. Maybe they're not getting the work in that they want on the training ground. Benitez has been able to do that in terms of both fitness and we also know technically he likes to be very specific. He has drills. He likes set pieces sorted. Uh, and it looks. What I also think it seems to be is that he's he's trying to change the style a little bit and make Newcastle a bit more adaptable to the Premier League. He wants them to be able to to counter attack for a start. Whereas in the Championship they might dominate a lot of games. We've been able to see the, the way the styles change a little bit against Wolfsburg. And Wolfsburg had a lot of the ball for a lot of the game. Yet Newcastle were very dangerous, quick counter attacking games. So he's been able to try a few new things, a few ideas. Uh, he's moved a few players around with so Marino at centre back although we expect to see more in centre midfield going forward he's had Chancellor and Bemba right back at certain times um, with given the fact that DeAndre Edlin is injured albeit not too seriously he may get opportunities there say if, if something was to happen on the other full backs and it, it, it's, it's been about experiment with different things seeing where certain players are giving players like De Jong extra opportunities and I think it's just about getting his, his first 11 ready for, for the game uh, a week on Sunday. I expect to see largely the team that he intends to play a week on Sunday play this Sunday against uh, Hellas Verona as well. It was a much improved performance against Wolfsburg than it was against Mainz a couple of days beforehand. Overall, though, do you think uh, Rafa will be, will be impressed with what he's seen over in Germany? Uh, I, think it's, I think it's difficult difficult to know to read too much into the, uh, the pre-season. I think you know Newcastle. A few, there's been a few, a few things that I think you can, you can see coming out of pre-season. That um, Lejeune's played a lot of games, uh, so I think he's definitely going to be a starter. Um, you've seen Clark playing a lot of games. John Joe Shelby is going to be absolutely key to everything that Newcastle do as well. But um, I kind of hate pre-season really because I think it 
it it tells you something and nothing really because you can have a really good pre-season and it, it means nothing I think they work really hard on shape in pre-season you, you, Rafa does a lot of his work behind the scenes in pre-season and I think it'll be interesting on Saturday but you know it's kind of like I understand why Rafa does it but the pre-seasons um, you know they, they, they're kind of like you know they're playing teams the difficult teams but they're playing teams that you know are going to give Newcastle a bit of a, a bit of a workout but you know, like Verona on Sunday, it's an interesting one because they're technically very good, and I think Newcastle will probably be coming up against a team that, that will um, be able to control, uh, you know, hold on to possession uh, quite well, which I think is what they're working towards trying to be better at next season. Working without the ball, having a good shape when they've not got the ball, knowing protecting, uh, protecting the defence well, much better than they did when Rafa came when Rafa took over. I, I remember the. Uh, Monday Night Football on Sky where Jamie Carragher went through exactly why John Joe Shelby wasn't in the team and I think it was they sort of said they brought in they had Czech Tioti and Jack Colback playing as a kind of screening midfielders so they had two defensive midfielders I think Newcastle are kind of going to revert back to something similar to that um, next season obviously well, they'll probably have Shelby being protected by two defensive midfielders so you can see a few of those little things coming in but I think I can speak for everybody when I say you know just like bring on the sort of football because it's See, pre-season's great, isn't it, in that we can kind of see new players and things, but it's been a really fraught summer and, um, you know, it'll just be good to kind of sweep away a bit of this uncertainty. You know, it'd be great when the transfer window's finished and we kind of know where Newcastle are um, and hopefully they've got a couple of players in by then as well. One thing I would say about the pre-season schedule I found very interesting is that if you look at all the teams who Newcastle have played, or possibly the, the two German teams, is there's... Benitez knows all these teams quite well, either because a member of his coaching staff has left and got and gone to coach at them, or it's a team impressing that Newcastle played uh, several occasions last season. It's teams that he knows specifically what he's going to get out of them. Maybe we haven't necessarily seen exactly what it, but he wanted his side tested in certain ways. He wanted them to develop in certain ways, and I think he selected these games specifically for that. And that's why we saw the go to Hearts with Cathro, obviously isn't there anymore, but was there. Pekia is coming on Sunday with Hellas Verona. And as I say, Bradford as well, there's a connection with Gilead yeah. and they want to see how their players are developing there. So I think it's, it's interesting to see that he has ch- cherry-picked these teams. Well, I assume you, you, the Bradford game would be, Newcastle needed to, it was a, an exercise in attack. Probably the Mainz game was more, and, and Wolfsburg were more about holding on to possession and things. So, you know, I mean, Rafa, everything he does is sort of methodical, isn't it? So, um, you know, I don't think it was the best. It's been the best pre-season for fans, to be honest. You know, Mainz, is, Mainz was OK, wasn't it, for fans as well. But, you know, you'd like to see in future, if I'm being honest, I'd like to see Newcastle kind of announce these games a little bit earlier, give fans a bit of a chance to, to go over there. It was a little bit, you know, midweek Wednesday game against Wolfsburg at three o'clock was, uh, was not easy for fans. But, if Rafa gets out what he needs about it, then, then then it's fine. And you know, just you know, I can't wait for the shadow boxing to finish now. And any players that stood out for you? For me personally, I thought Christian Atsu has been quite quite decent. He's looked sharp. He's looked quick. You know, and it, it's brilliant to see that Rafa's actually got now four wingers. If you know, if Rolando Owens does manage to keep fit. That's you know, a brilliant predicament for, for Rafa to, to be in. Well, he, I mean, he wants another wing as well. That's the interesting thing. He, he's, not, he's not content yet with what he had, but there are, there are certainly more wide options there than there were. I mean, Aaron's obviously was injured for the majority of last season. Aaron's has looked quite good in spells. I think with the wingers, like, just it's almost a cliche, but wingers do flitter in and out of games. And I think we have seen that with all the wingers so, so far in pre season. We've seen flashes from Murphy as well. You can see why he's come in. He's still raw to a certain extent. But the player's really impressed me is Florian Lejeune. I just think. It, it, 
it's it's too much to read into it too soon because the fact that he hasn't been tested against Premier League defences and whatnot, and he hasn't really been. I mean, against Bradford, he almost had the run of the park in terms of no one got anywhere near him, and he was able to to play it out from the defence. But he does give that new dimension to Newcastle, which they haven't yet had under Rafa. We haven't seen it since Colchini was in his prime, maybe three, four years ago, and that that allows Newcastle. It gives composure there, and it it, it almost. Gives them an extra option to Shelby. Shelby would off, is, is going to drop deep and try to start attacks, but now you have Lejeune to do that, and I think that that he is a could be touch wood a, a very good sign. Can you mark anyone that, that stood out particularly? I think Shelby is the is the one obviously because he's just he's just looked fitter, hasn't he? he? Looked like he's able to get up the pitch a bit better than he was last season. So yeah, I'd probably say Shelby. I think he's going to be crucial to what Newcastle do this season because. Yeah, they haven't really improved the squad man for man. Lejeune's probably an upgrade, isn't he? But apart from that, there's not a lot that's come in. Moreno, I think, looks uh, Mourinho looks like a good a good addition. But you know, he's only played two games at the highest level in terms of Bundesliga in his career. He's not played in La Liga. He's not played a lot in, Bund- in the Bundesliga. So it's going to be asking a lot for him to come in and really run things from midfield. And I know we. We sort of said, I think 442 said today that he's the fifth best signing of the transfer window. Well, I'd like to know where they kind of get that from because, you know, hey, it's a good it's a good signing, I think, for Newcastle. But, um, you know, but I think it's going to have to be the guys who did well last season are going to have to step up this season if Newcastle are going to kind of have a comfortable season and, and Shelby's going to have to be probably the main man. But he's indicated that he kind of likes that, you know. He's got an ego on him as, as John Joe Shelby in a, in a good way. You know, he wants... He wants the ball. He wants to be the main man. He, that's why he came to Newcastle because he felt like I want to have the main stage at a big club. Um, for the first four or five months of his time in Newcastle, it looked like he was just going to get lost. But he kind of pulled himself out of it last season. He was a key man last year. Now it's the Premier League World Cup year. Big big season for John Joe Shelby, and he kind of is making the right noises that like he's up for it. And I think if he does and he he comes in and Rafa kind of uses him right. It's going to be a big season for John Joe Shelby. And what's interesting, he hasn't just kind of sat back and thought, I am Shelby, and he's, he's waited for the company. I mean, he's, he started his pre-season, what, a month before everyone else? He, yeah. He's, he, yeah, you hear that. I mean, it's, it's really interesting because you, you, hear, you get those kind of stories every, every summer of somebody who started pre-season early and, and things, and you're always kind of like, you know, I, I think Rafa himself says that Instagram's quite a big thing these days in that, like, players will post pictures of themselves, like, kind of, dripping with sweat like you know and caption it training and stuff and and he sort of says you know I like it's and it is ridiculous really because you get like I mean you know we we, the certain players in the Premier League you've kind of post so many pictures of themselves training and you know working hard training and the emoji of like the kind of the um was it the, the sort of flexing bicep emoji and stuff and you're just like oh come on you know like this is it's all very well but it's just done for the fans and stuff um so it's kind of like it's a difficult one because you know a lot of people say that they're starting training early and stuff and really players never come out of it but I think you can see from Shelby that he actually looks fitter he looks like he's lost a few pounds as does Alexander Mitrovic but we've said that every summer for Alexander Mitrovic you know this is a guy who probably in Mitrovic um, in previous summers has kind of put on weight so you know it's good good that he's come back looking relatively um, looking relatively sharp and relatively lean as well and I think Shelby Professionally, he's, he's come on leaps and bounds since he joined Newcastle. And interesting, you should mention Mitrovic. Uh, Lee, right, I spoke to Mitrovic over in Germany, so this is a little bit about, from what the uh, Serbian had to say. 
and I know we spoke about your future a little bit earlier in the summer. You're still still here as a Newcastle player, and that's what your focus is. Yeah, I'm still here. I'm focused to, to try to do best every training, every game I I play. Uh, I don't. I can't say if I'm going to stay or because you never know in football the transfer window is still open. But we will see at the moment I'm here and my head is here, and that's all I can do to try to do best to give everything I can give every training, every, every game to try to improve and we will see on the end. And there you have, obviously there's been a lot of speculation Chris about Mitovic's uh, future, he's, he's had a decent enough pre-season, he scored a few goals, he looked very sharp against Wolfsburg in comparison to the game against Mainz where he just, it, it's not unfair to say, he just didn't really look at the, uh, at the races really, I mean what kind of situation do you think Mitovic is in at the moment? Well, I think the fact that Newcastle haven't got another striker through the door is that he has been lumped to be. He's the he's the second choice behind Dwight Gale. I can't see any way that he would he would start the first game of the season unless something happens to Gale. I think Gale is is the main man still at the moment, and unless developments do happen with the striker situation. But even then, Rafa is usually reluctant to send a player straight into the team who hasn't trained very much. So they're going to have probably a week if maximum if they get a striker in the next few days. So I would very much expect Dwight Gale to start the season. Um, I still expect another striker to arrive, which I think would put Mitrovic as third choice at best. But Newcastle are going to need at least three strikers, so unless another one was to arrive further than that, I think Mitrovic at the moment is looking like he probably is going to stay. I think Newcastle will listen to offers if there's if there's enough of them out there. But is are they going to get the sort of fee they probably want, which is fifteen million plus for a player who, albeit got a decent few goals in his first season in the Premier League, but for the last twelve months has to a certain degree flattered to deceive. I'm not 100% sure. So I, I, at the moment, I, I know I said a few months ago I expected Mitrovic not to be here at the, the end of the window, but at this very moment in time, I think I'm leaning towards the fact that I do expect him to be here at the end of the window now. And Mark, obviously, the chase of the striker hasn't gone quite a plan. Names have been lumped in, you know, Andre Gray. Mm-hmm. I know there's, to date, it's Josh Liu from Stoke. What's, what would you understand is kind of the latest? Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny, isn't it? I'm sitting here thinking these are the same issues we've been talking about all summer. And, Newcastle haven't been able to resolve half the issues that they needed to resolve this summer. And that's the frustration, I think, you know, from a Newcastle perspective, is that we've been talking about Mitrovic for nine months. Is he good enough? Is he going to go? Is he not going to go? And it's like there's been no firm decision either way. The decision is kind of this grey area of like, you know, well, well, you know, we'll work with him if he's still here. Well, you know, goodness me, it's like it's, it's just been, you know... Like you get sick of talking about it in some ways because it's just so obvious that Rafa doesn't, you know, Rafa would get rid of him if he could. And I think what's interesting is now that Newcastle started the window, maybe looking at a kind of, you know, top tier player, and now Josselu, who Rafa knows well from, you know, he's, he's got, he'll know him really, really well. Um, played for Real Madrid B, played for Real Madrid as well. Um, you know, got a really good pedigree in terms of in terms of that. I know a lot of fans. Um, looking at his goal scoring record, which isn't absolutely top notch, but you know he's, he's got a bit, and, and he started preseason really well. And Rafa, uh, and Rafa's kind of put those feelers out for for, for this guy, and you know he looks all right. I I, I think the the thing is, I think that, that probably Rafa himself said it is fan Q and A the other week. You know we're not going to sign a thirty million pound striker, which is a shame really because I think Newcastle not not the, I don't think there was ever thirty million pound there. Um, but it is going to be this kind of player now that, that Newcastle are looking at and how Newcastle get the best out of 
a player like that is going to be the kind of key. I still think there's potential for them if they sell somebody and bring somebody in for a big deal to kind of happen for Newcastle, um, but not this week. It hasn't felt like that. I said the music had improved last week, and I think it's still you know positive in terms of you can feel there's like excitement about the start of the season, but transfer wise, it's it's become very much attrition or they're kind of trudging through treacle really in terms of everything they can do Haidar has turned out a move this week Riviere has turned out a move away this week you know it's it's frustrating but I mean you know Newcastle still got a month to sort things out so um, but it, it, I think Joss Lou, you know to me like you know as a, as a as a kind of somebody looking from the outside I think it kind of makes sense in a lot of ways, you know, the, the guy has got talent, definitely got talent. It didn't work for him at Stoke. But they play a certain kind of way, you know. Newcastle play a very different way to Stoke. And Stoke aren't a long ball now, you know, they're not like that at all. They're a, they're a much more sort of um, technical team than they were. But Rafa play, Rafa's team plays in a certain way. It's like everybody was talking about Javi, you know, bringing in Javier Hernandez, who obviously went to West Ham. Would that have worked with a Rafa system? I don't. I'm not sure it would have. You know, everybody. Everybody wants names now, and I understand that. You know, I. I would. We would love names as well, but um, it's probably about bringing in. Like for Rafa's not got the top targets that he wanted, so it's now for him more about bringing in players who can fulfil roles. And uh, I think this guy probably looks like he would. That's somebody ringing me now, so it's probably Hosselu on him, on himself. <laughs> uh, but no, it's, I think I think there's a potential there for. You know, for Newcastle to bring in a player like that, um, you know, br- bringing somebody in to do a job for them is what's going to happen now. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's interesting. I know fans want to know what's going on with transfers and stuff, but there is an element of wait and see because things have to happen for other players to come in now. And the fact that Newcastle haven't got some of their first choice targets, as Rafa admit, readily admitted the other week, is what you can see is that he's reverted to what he knows in terms of what he, he believes he can get and what he knows the, the, the players who are currently being talked about Adrian Josselu again Spanish connection there Rafa's gone back to his brought in Lejeune already who's come from a Spanish club who's recommended to Rafa someone he watched intently Marino someone he, he's followed the career of these are players again when we talk about um, Manquillo there's been a lot of doubts about him but he's someone who Rafa has spoken to his people about he's spoken to his contacts about he's watched he, he's, he's known him for a long time and so he's revered to type in terms of this is what I can get, this is what I know already, these are going to give me at least what we need to be able to be competitive in the Premier League this year, then build going forward. And I suppose that's a positive thing as well because Rafa could quite easily have thrown his toys out the pram, so to speak, and said, right, I wanted these names, you haven't gone and got them, especially after the likes of Tammy Abraham went to Swansea and so on. But he's actually maybe changed his approach slightly and said, right, okay, he's dealing with the realism of where the club is and what the budget is yeah I mean there was certainly frustration to begin with there's no doubt about it and he, and he went and speak to speak to Lee Charlie about it because it was it was glacial the pace Newcastle moving out I think it was the fear that they were going to say no one at one stage I mean the Lejeune deal just dragged on and on and on it was practically there for three and a half four weeks and just didn't get completed um, but then he, he reassessed the situation he thought again right this is these are the parameters I now have to work with this is these players are attainable these players can offer us something they may not be exactly what I thought we might be able to get a few weeks ago but they're going to give us enough to be competitive to play the way I want to and to be hopefully comfortably mid-table this season and one strike obviously has gone out is Ivan Tony to Wigan that's in League One it doesn't really matter obviously they're going to be at the top of, the, of League One they're going to be battling for promotion in the Championship but would you like to see maybe have gone to a Championship team? I think there was a little small bit of interest from a couple of 
lower championship teams but the fact is that last season Ivan Toni although he did alright at Scunthorpe he didn't exactly set the world alight there he didn't he didn't go and bang in 20 goals in that division as Adam Armstrong did a couple of years ago he, he was solid he, he improved time on time but I think that I think it's a decent move for him I think he needs to really show himself this year and a Wigan team who've got big ambitions to go up so hopefully that'll help him to really co- showcase himself and progress the thing with Tony is I know a lot of fans are saying oh why isn't this lad because he has been impressive in pre-season I've seen quite a lot of him in pre-season he scored five in two games down at Whitby and some fans are saying well why isn't he in and around the team when the Castle need a striker the thing with Tony is he's, he still is raw he's, he's 21 years of age but he's, he's there is something to him he's definitely got something about him but there's still parts of his game which need polish and I think if anything the fact that he isn't ready for the first team now says more about where Newcastle were when Steve McLaren first took charge and he, and he actually got a few first team appearances than where Newcastle are now is that the that even in the championship last season he wasn't playing yet he was he was getting game time off the bench on the odd game in the Premier League and in, in the League Cup a couple of years ago and I think this is a player who certainly does have something about him but there's still a lot to work with and I think a loan moves what he needs But on that Mark is it a case that you look around the league and you know these players who are 18, 19 are getting their chances and some in big clubs you know like sort of like Marcus Rashford for instance now I'm not saying that Tony has the ability that Rashford has but there is a case is it a case that players at Newcastle are bringing in these youngsters aren't good enough or is it what is what, what is the why aren't they getting their chance in the first year well it was low risk low risk sort of low fee signing wasn't it um, was was Tony I mean you see a lot of a lot of clubs in the Premier League bring them in um, and, and just look at how they develop and things and, and I think Newcastle probably didn't aid his development that well with a couple of the low moves that he made early on were a bit you know were not not brilliant I mean he was he came from the fourth division, didn't he? he came from the. He came from League Two, and and I, you know, will he ever be good enough? I mean, will he ever be good enough to play at Premier League level? It's such a massive, massive ask. But you, you know, you sign the odd player like that, and they they do, they do come good. I mean, you know, I would say that you know Ivan Tony's probably never going to be you know a regular start for Newcastle United in the Premier League. In, in the, because I just don't think he's at that level. You know, it's such a high level now. I mean, you look at Adam Armstrong playing regularly for the under 19s and. You need to be really good to play at that level. I don't think Newcastle are in the market for those very best under 18, under 19, under 20 players. But I don't think that's the club's fault. I think that's, you know, you look at Chelsea as stockpiling talent and loaning it out to Premier League clubs, to Championship clubs, to clubs in Holland and Portugal and places like that. And, you know, it's ridiculous, really, that the system really needs to be looked at because. You know, you're getting a logjam of talent, really, at a lot of clubs in the Premier League who are now... I mean, Chelsea next season are going to be playing kind of 40% of their games against teams that are significantly weakened because they're loaning players out. That's not... You know, Newcastle don't have the resources and they don't... They haven't managed themselves well enough over the last five years to be in a position where they are signing really good players who aren't getting into their first team straight away. I mean, you know, we're talking about Everton potentially spending upwards of... You know, well, probably down payment of about a million pounds on on Gibson, who's just left Newcastle. He's nowhere near the first team at the moment, and won't be for another year or two. If Newcastle have a, a million, two million pounds, or they can commit to six million, as it would be if if he does everything, and he's, that money will be spent on the first team. So Tony's coming in to play in the development squad. You know, they need numbers in the development squad, and and the sad fact is that a lot of the players that come in at the under twenty three level for Newcastle, one or two of them might come through but they need the numbers you know that that's the top bomber they need to run an under 23 team because they need to have that under 23 group because there are one or two who will come through but they need 
a full squad in the under 23s. So you sign players for 100,000, 200,000 to go into the under 23s squad. Or in the case of Fernandez, who's come in, um, you know, virtually nothing. They're in on very little. They're happy because it gives them an opportunity. The club are happy because it's a body and it means that, any, that player may develop. But, you know, a lot of these players that Newcastle signed for under 23 level, they're never going to be good enough to play at the top, top, the very, very best. But it's the fact that one or two of them might is the reason that this whole dance happens in that Newcastle are happy to bring them in because they don't cost a lot. The players are happy to come in because they might do a poor dumber and really catch somebody's eye and develop really, really well and get into the first team. But, you know, that's the, the, the reality of running an under 23 team. Middlesbrough have got a really good academy setup, but how many players have come through there and really made it their own in the last few years? How many players at Wolves who've also got a really good academy, how many players there have come through? They've had one or two, but that's championship level. How many players in the Premier League who are playing regularly in the under-23 end up playing regularly for the first team over like a two or three year period? Not many, not many. Newcastle aren't alone in that. You know, I know it's been a regular bugbear of people in, in the area and mine as well that the academy is not producing enough players and not producing enough players. It's very, very difficult now. You, know, you have to be you have to have balls of steel as a manager to give an under 23 player a chance you know Rafa would give Adam Armstrong a chance he will give Freddie Woodman a chance in the end but even then it's a that's a massive massive risk um you know you've got Mikel Marino coming in at the age of 21 is he correct? 21, yeah. 21 who's played loads of games for Spain under 21 he's played two seasons in the in Second Segunda Liga was it two seasons or season definitely he's been involved with Borussia Dortmund in and around the first team there that's why Newcastle have spent two and three million on him because he's had that training he's had that mentality drilled into him Ivan Tony, with the greatest respect was at Northampton it's not a failing of Newcastle United it's not a failing of Ivan Tony's that he's not playing in the first team and Tammy Abraham is Tammy Abraham is an outstanding talent who will play Premier League football for the rest of his career Ivan Tony. Newcastle will probably get a fair amount of money for him somewhere down the line. Championship League One. I think probably a championship team will take him. And that's probably his level at the moment. You know, he might get a chance Premier League wise. But um, a lot of a lot of good players who who, you know, come through play League One championship. You know, Gilead might get a chance at Newcastle because, you know, he's a bit younger than Tony, but I, I, you know, great respect. I've I've not seen too much of Tony. I do think he's got something about him. But to, to play, to lead the line for Newcastle United, I mean, we saw... Sorry, I've gone a bit of a rant here, haven't I? We saw <laughs> Media Bade come through, and everybody was... Everybody wanted Media Bade to play because he had two or three really good games in the Premier League. But three successive managers at Newcastle United came in, took a look at him, and didn't fancy him. Now, I know people have things to say about um, John Carver and, and Alan Pardew, but are you telling me that they didn't... If they had a player who was good enough to play regularly and was as good as everybody said he was, that they wouldn't have played him. Of course they would. You know, and that's the point. It's like Gail Bigger Romano. We had a lot of debate about all of that situation and stuff. But if he was good enough, he would have been playing because Newcastle didn't have a lot at that time. The fact is that these players, if they're not producing it consistently and not, you know, you can't expect them, you can't expect them to play. Um, and it's it's a big problem for the English game full stop isn't it the old under 23 system at the moment they're trying to remedy it with and you see Newcastle this season trying to do something about it because they'll be playing in the Czech trade next season and they're going to be playing in the International Premier League tournament as well next year so the level that those under 23s are playing at is going to be much higher so there is a chance for them a big chance for them to, to maybe make an impact in the next few years but at the moment 
that under 23 team probably doesn't have anybody in it apart from Freddie Woodman who's going to play regular first team football this season I wouldn't say this is Acast Recommends every week we pick one of our favourite shows and this is one we think you're going to love hello I'm Jeff Lloyd and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband a baby podcast that is It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. You never know, they could come in and surprise me and, you know, it's, it's up to them to do that but it's going to be a massive ask for them to come in and, and do anything. There's one or two really good players in there, by the way. Um, but, you know, to go from being a really good under-23 player to being a regular star in the Premier League is huge. It's not easy. Um, we are talking about, you know, uh, he was introduced to the press today. Obviously, Chris and Lee were down there. And so we're going to listen to a bit from the new Spaniard. Um, the last season was hard for me, but uh, I was... Only looking in training and in improve my my conditions and and the, when this, the the season finished, uh, yes, my my agent told me that the, the the possibility to to come here with with Rafa is a really good club. Uh, you will have options to to play and to develop your your skills and well, uh, it was an easy choice. And there you have it. So, I mean, Chris, what did you make of, of Mourinho today? He came across quite impressive, for understand. Yeah, I was really impressed by him. First of all, he came and he apologised on three separate occasions about his English, which is excellent. It's, really, it's, not, it's not just the fact that he can speak English. He adds colour to what he says. He's articulate. He's engaging. Uh, so I was really impressed with that. He thinks about his answers. And you can see he's, he's, he's a wise head on young shoulders to a certain degree. He's... He spoke about his time at Dortmund, and and yeah, he didn't play that much there. But he, he doesn't. He said that his only regret is that he didn't play very much. He doesn't regret having gone there in the first place. He's he's worked with with world class players like Aubameyang, uh, like Royce. He's, he's been in and around that environment, and he says that's driven him on to be a better player. He now wants the game time to be able to produce that. He says once Rafa called him, he realised there was a coach there who believed in him. He maybe didn't have a coach who believed him at Borussia Dortmund, and I think that it's. A combination that could work really well, uh, Rafa and Reno. They speak the language. Reno said that that's helped him set in already, settle in already. He's spoken the likes of Perez, Manquillo, Gamez. There's, there's, there's a few Spanish speakers within that dressing room, and he's someone who I think comes with with big ambitions to succeed. He talked about the winning mentality in Germany as well that he, he learned at Dortmund, and that that's something he wants to instill. So I think that yes, he he, do, he hasn't played in the top flight at any top flight in Europe regularly yet but I think he's, he's come with a point to prove he's someone who's hungry and uh, hopefully it could be a, a very positive sign and him and John Joe Shelby could work well together What's interesting he's going to be battling with another very impressive youngster in Isaac Hayden who at 22 when he when he speaks to the press he does seem like a, a much older player the things he says and the way he comes across and he's another fan's favourite who maybe doesn't get the praise for doing the dirty work so to speak you know stopping the attacks spreading the ball from the back and allowing maybe John Joe Shelby that bit of freedom 
Um, obviously, Mourinho seems to be brought in on the idea that Shelby will be pushed up slightly further. Um, it's going to be an interesting battle between the two, Mark. Yeah, I think the midfield, midfield's where Newcastle look actually, you know, relatively strong. I mean, that's where they were, they were, um, yeah, they were pretty good last season. They probably didn't have quite enough creativity, but um, you know, they, they had they had to do a lot of attacking. They had to do a lot of setting the tone last season, which I don't think came naturally to the to Rafa, and I don't think it came naturally, massively naturally to the players that they had. Next season will be, you know, it'll be a different ask of those players. They'll have to defend well and they'll have to kind of like be really good with possession, which I think comes quite easily to the likes of guys like Hayden, who's, you know, remember an Arsenal Academy graduate. Shelby's good with the ball. Moreno, I don't think will give the ball away at all. I'm really looking forward to seeing him, even though, you know, I've kind of tried not to big him up too much because it's huge expectations on his shoulders. But um, I think Newcastle look all right in midfield and defence. It's just up front where um, you're kind of worrying, you know. I, I wrote about it yesterday. It brings me out a cold sweat thinking that Newcastle might not sign another striker because you know that's where they were short last said so many times on this podcast I'm kind of repeating myself but that's where they were short last time they got relegated um, but midfield wise I think they look alright you know maybe if they get James McCarthy we're talking about as well you know who knows that would be a, you know if they, if they got McCarthy in or you know another winger we're talking about Shea Oji I mean yeah, I think they'd, they'd have a good they'd have a good midfield. I agree, and I think that really impressed me about uh, Mourinho Days. He was asked a question about the pass that we've all seen against Wolfsburg, the outside, the left foot releases, uh, Rolando Arons, and it, it almost is someone. I think he was asked if it was, it was a trick shot. It almost seemed like nearly in concept. And he just said, "No, I thought that was the best way to pass the ball, so that's what I did." This is a player who he, he, he also spot what his best, best position is, and he said he wants to attack. He's always looking to go forward. This is it, it's about bringing in in-game intelligence, and I think that's what Rafa's tried to. to, to Adopt over the last couple of years, Shelby. He, he, want, he knew that Shelby wasn't producing the very best that he could, and he, he dropped him from the team. He told him to get fitter. Shelby's come back, and he's offering that now. He's got that Marino, and I think that in midfield, I agree that that I think they are looking very strong there. They probably do need an, another body in there, just maybe someone who could play as a number ten. I'm still not convinced that they have that quite right. I'm still not convinced that Diarmi's position, Perez potentially, but I think that, that they do need another option there, but. How wide they've now got pace in, mid- in midfield. I think that the, the real issue now is, is, is striker wise, and they do need someone who's going to regularly put the ball in the back of the net. And we're going to come to team selection, obviously, for Sunday for against Verona, which is probably the team that starts is likely going to be the one that starts yeah, against Spurs. We'll yeah. But just to start with, if you know Mourinho's fully fit, and then we get the Spurs game, is it Isaac Hayden or is it Mourinho that you would pick to partner Shelby in the middle against Spurs? Yes. I think that it would be at this stage Hayden just because I think that he'll want a little bit more time for Marino to adapt and the fact that you're, you're against one of the, the Premier League's side and finish runners up last year I think that Hayden will probably offer a little bit more protection so the minute I would, I would go that way and I think that would see Marino introducing it in a couple of games after that That that's personally the way I see it I'm not saying that definitely will be yeah, the way I see it. yeah I think probably similar you could get to a position on the opening day where um Rafa already plays one new player on the first day of the season because I, I think Jacob Murphy's could start, but he not necessarily. You know, with that suit playing well in the season, I suppose that season new signing in, in some ways. You could just get it where Lejeune's the only only new signing, which which would be interesting because I didn't think we anybody anticipated that. But yeah, I think it'd be Hayden at the moment because Moreno has only played 
two minutes, I think. Yeah. You know, he might play, will we see him on Saturday, on Sunday? Probably. I think he'll see him get a, get a decent, yeah. decent game, yeah. Probably get 45 minutes, won't he, at least. And if, if Yedlin is missing for Spurs, so would that mean Mbemba gets the shout? Or? No, it'd be Mankila. I would expect Mankila. Okay. I don't think he's likely to play Mbemba out of position. No. But I have seen Mbemba play there in pre season, and last year he hasn't. I do, it's, no, it's not his position, it just isn't his position, mm. and he, he doesn't look comfortable there. I think for all the doubts fans might have about Mankiwa, he, he is a fullback. Uh, so the, I mean, the team I would expect at this stage, if if you ask me to pick it now, Elliot and goal, uh, Mankiwa right back. If he had it, isn't fit, it, it sounds like it. I don't think Lascelles is necessarily going to be match fit. So I think we're probably going to see Clark and Lejeune, who we've seen a lot of, Dummett at left back, Hayden Shelby, uh, Richie on the right, left. It's it, it's a coin toss really. I think I think he might go. For Murphy, I actually think he might give Murphy a uh, run in the team. Then I think Perez and Gale to be the team. I, th- I think at number ten, yeah. I'm, number ten, I'm not sure about though because if if you just pick that team I've just named there, you're quite lightweight up front. You're not particularly very big, so maybe he will go for uh, for for, for Diarmi, But that would be the team I'd I, I, I expect. Mm. Going to be interesting. Isn't it? That first game of the season, they've got Deli Ali and Ericsson coming at them. You know, um, Harry Kane up front as well. It's Tottenham are a heck of a team, you know. They're, they're probably the outstanding team of the last two seasons. Consistently, they've been the best over the two seasons. Chelsea had the better last season, and um, obviously, uh, you know, Manchester City and, and Manchester United probably better the season before in terms of where they finished. But I mean, it's going to be heck of a. You know, they're going to have to contain. It's going to be a difficult one that first game because you know. Ali is such a good player, and, and they are going to really, they are going to really attack Newcastle. I think it's going to be, you know, they will set up. I think Newcastle to, to sort of be strong, strong in midfield, um, and it's going to have to be Dwight Gale if he if he plays. It's going to have to take any chance that he gets. And just a quick shout out. Obviously, it's a sold out game, the Spurs game, with more than a week to go, which is fantastic. And the season tickets is up to above forty thousand or so, which oh, again, just below, yeah, just below forty thousand. But you know, again, it's a it's a boost in terms of from where they were last year and the previous two seasons when Rafa wasn't here. It was it was down six percent to about down for six percent both years. So you know they're putting on season tickets. I think there's a lot of enthusiasm for the start of the season, and I think a lot of the you know we only kind of convene now these days on kind of social media a little bit over the summer. That's how that's how football kind of works, and it and it, and it gives you a certain idea of where Newcastle's fans' heads are. But I think once you get to the start of the season it'll be a very different kind of feeling it'll be the feeling of excitement you know I know people um, we all know that they need to bring in players and, and I think there are some difficult questions coming Newcastle's way especially if they don't at the end of the month get what we think they need to do or they don't even if they sign a kind of jostling you'll be, there's a lot of questions to be asked about where the money's gone but those kind of get shelved I think for next week because Three games. The three games they've got in August, Newcastle probably need to get four points from the first three games. That Huddersfield game's not going to be easy, you know. That everybody's kind of talking about, like, oh, well, Tottenham's kind of a free hit, and then you go to Huddersfield. They will have momentum. They've changed a lot of their team, you know. That 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 is a massive occasion for Huddersfield Town. Newcastle found it difficult there last season. You know, they they were they played really well, but it was a tough game. So um, you know Newcastle have to have their heads on for those first three games because it's although it's a, not as difficult as it could be that start it's still tough. So yeah, they they go headlong into it. And, and what what do Newcastle need in your opinion? If you just name me the positions that you think Newcastle need to 
what, to deal with? What I think they need to get is probably... I think they probably need about four or five positions to strengthen. They need two strikers, in my opinion. They need another winger. They probably need a creative midfielder um, and a left-back as well. And, a, and obviously, if Rafa wants a goalkeeper, a goalkeeper. But do you think a goalkeeper yeah. is a priority? If, if you um, would... I mean, obviously, Rafa wants one, but looking from it from your point of view, is a goalkeeper necessary? Because a lot of people aren't actually... A lot of people are asking, you know, why... Well, everybody will pick, well on on Twitter. I keep getting asked about Tim Krul. Well, he hasn't played regularly for a year. Rob Elliott's not played regularly for a year. Carl Darlow, Rafa's obviously not sold on him, um, and Freddie Woodman's probably a bit too young at the moment. So I suppose it is from that perspective. But I, you know, if you had to choose, tell me, like ask me where they need a player, it would be up front because I don't think I think Rob Elliott has you know every time they've played him in the Premier League, he's never let them down. I can't remember him having a bad game in the Premier League and. You know, and he's got a good mentality as Rob Elliott. You know, I wouldn't say that you desperately need one, but Rafa has won a Champions League. You know, so. he probably knows what he's doing. I think they do need a goalkeeper on the basis that Tim Krull doesn't have any Castanet feature. There's just no Rafa is not is not having him. There's been for whatever reason there's been issues off the field, and and the fact that he went away just hasn't. Reproduce the form that he had for Newcastle a few years ago. Rafa doesn't see him as the best goalkeeper at Newcastle United at the moment. Tim Krull doesn't have a Newcastle United feature. I know a lot of Newcastle fans can't necessarily understand that because they remember when T- Tim Krull was in his prime. But at the end of the day, as long as Rafa Benitez is at this football club, Tim Krull isn't isn't going to be in the first team picture. You've got Rob Elliott, who I agree with. I think he's never let the club down. I think he's a very good goalkeeper. I think he at the moment starts the season as number one. Carl Darlow, he isn't sold on. Even last season when he was doing really well, you could see he wasn't necessarily sold and that's one of the reasons he brought in Mattels last year. And Freddie Woodman, I think, has to go on. If you want Freddie Woodman to develop, we've, we've talked this about developing players, I think Freddie Woodman, uh, there's this football league clubs falling over themselves trying to get him on loan. You want him to get first-team football. But they left it a bit too late with Woodman, though, because I think if you're a football league manager now, season starts tonight on Friday... Then the first games are Saturday and then Sunday for football league clubs in the Championship League One, League Two. Now, there probably are clubs, but it would be nice to get Woodman out on loan early because there would be there would have been good big clubs. But who's who's it going would to have been Rafa won the goalkeeper in weeks ago? So, yeah, so who's Rafa going to take him. Well, that's the question. But, I don't think. I mean, we've talked about Berry, Northampton, and Hearts. None of those three for me are the level he should be playing at. Berry is League One. Well. You know, League One's fine, but he's probably better than that now. And I just, it's just, it's difficult, isn't it? I think the problem with all of this kind of trudging through for the summer, which is Newcastle had a long summer, is that it's left a few things and now having to be rushed through. You know, you can see it's like, right, they're down to target Z or whatever it is, striker wise. So they're now having to kind of like bring in players. And it, it's just, you know, I think that's, that's the frustration. And I don't think it's necessarily all Newcastle's fault, I think it's the market. Um, but yeah, I mean, Woodman now, where's he going to go? Why I agree can't... with you, but is, is it not better that he, even if it was a League One level, is it not better he plays 40 games a season than sits, plays in the Checker Trade Trophy a few games, plays this International Cup, maybe plays 25 games over the course of the season, yeah. 23? Is it not better to play first team football or, or be at a lower level? I think what you could see with Freddie Woodman is that if he stays at Newcastle United, You've seen that Rafa is prepared to take a chance in terms of changing his goalkeeper during the season. We've seen that. I it would not surprise me if if Freddie stays, plays well in those games, shows the mentality that he's been showing in pre-season, 
that save against Mainz was world class, brilliant save. Um, and he's got such a good mentality. I mean, he's such a good professional for, for considering how old he is. It would not surprise me if by the end of the season he was the number one goalkeeper if they had the same group that they have now because Rafa's shown that he's not afraid of doing it. Freddie, I think, is good enough and strong enough to play there. And if they don't bring in a goalkeeper, they'll judge them on how they do. I think Rob Elliott's going to be the number one. Freddie would be number two. He'd play in the Czech and Trade. He'd play in this new Premier League international tournament. He might get, he'd probably get the League Cup, which is not, you know, League Cups in three weeks' time, four weeks' time. He'd get, probably get the FA Cup as well, because I think they'll sell Darlow. Why not stick? Why not, why not keep? Why not keep him around? The well, kind the basis of, of that, you don't need another goalkeeper anyway. If you, in terms of Krulls is finished and you can't, he isn't going to play under Rafa. So then you've only got if Darlow's going to go, you've got Freddie Woodman as your second goalkeeper. What happens if Elliot gets injured? Then you're going to have to bring up one of the one of the youngsters who is now playing for the other twenty three. So you're well, still think, going to need another goalkeeper. But you can't. But you wouldn't. You wouldn't bring in. You wouldn't bring in. Say Adrian. If Adrian comes in, then Woodman. Woodman goes. Out on loan, anyways. Woodman won't be number three, and Woodman's only got two years left on his contract, I think. And so Newcastle have got a real problem with Woodman in some ways because they've got to keep him on board, which they didn't do with Fraser Forster, and ended up paying the price because they sold him in the end. He went on loan and then stayed, but he had a move to Celtic lined up, and I mean that's a huge club. Um, so it's a real problem for Woodman, but I, I would keep him around, and I, he'd be my number two personally. Why can't he be number one from next Sunday? Uh, well, he can. He can. I mean, Rafa doesn't. Rafa obviously knows these players better than anybody. Um, I mean, we were kind of talking about it. And De Gea was the same age as him. He hasn't played much football. That's the problem. He hasn't played. I mean, how how much has he played? Like, it got twenty games for Kilmarnock-ish, Come on, ish, yeah. And he's he's played. He's, he's been on loan before. He did Crawley. Well, at Crawley, I think the issue into what why one of the reasons Rafa wanted wanted another keeper this summer is he sat the keepers down as soon as preseason came out and he said look I want a keeper who's got Premier League experience now as good a keeper as I think Freddie Woodman can become and will become he doesn't have he doesn't yeah. even have he barely has first team experience never mind Premier League experience Rafa wanted that addition option he also wants a goalkeeper who can possibly start attacks but the main thing he wanted was a pre- was Premier League experience now Rob Elliott played the major well a large part of the of the last season in the Premier League. But apart from that, he, he didn't he didn't play regularly in the top flight. We've already said Krull isn't going to be here. As far as Rafa's concerned, he he, he expects him to have found another club by the end of the window. Carl Darlow's never played in the Premier League before. Well, a couple of games for Newcastle last time around. He wanted Premier League experience. I think that's what's counting against Freddie Woodman at the minute. I think Rafa recognises how good a player he can be. He just wants that experienced goalkeeper because he knows how crucial a position mm-hmm. it is. And it's going to be you know that would, you talk about kind of hail Mary. Sort of passes, you know that that would be a hell of a risk. And Rafa is not—he's not risk averse, is he? He does take risks, but he would not. That would be one of these things where you'd just be like, "Wow, you know, that is a heck of a statement to put Woodman in." I mean, you saw with him with Cells last year. I think probably recognised that he made a mistake buying Cells because he, he just wasn't suited to the Premier League. They've got a problem with Cells obviously because he's coming back and he's on huge so wages, three, four, yeah, and they will not buy him permanently because he's on such big money I mean he's the best paid player in Belgium yeah. that's incredible absolutely incredible just tells you all the things that are wrong with English football but I mean you know they've got a problem haven't they I mean, Pepe Reina would have been the perfect addition because he would have been here for two years you know Freddie could have learned under him and then potentially come in and, and taken over but 
it's always a big thing for goalkeepers. It's very difficult for keepers, isn't it? Because they've got to go and get games. The only way they can do that is by going on loan. Um, Jordan Pickford did it really well. Sunderland managed him really well, um, and then ended up selling him for thirty million pounds. So, you know, interesting, interesting. But they can't let what happened with Fraser Forster happen with Freddie Woodman, and he's very ambitious. I agree with you on the, on the wages point. Though. I mean, we saw with with Hadara allegedly with the, with the issues there. But Newcastle got anyway. The majority of the the deadwood Newcastle have the likes of Riviera, the likes of Hadara. Not only have they not done very well at Newcastle, so they're not an attractive prospect anyway. They're on higher wages than the vast majority of clubs in France or wherever will pay their very best players. Never mind a player they'll be taking a complete gamble on because they've struggled. Mm. And that's the issue. That's the issue with. Although it's great because because it, Newcastle in theory are going to have money, they're now back in the Premier League. They're, they're going to attract these players. When players sign and it doesn't work out, you, you get stuck in limbo with them, and it, you almost can't get rid of them. Sells they've had to send out on loan while paying part of his wages because he's on so much money, and they, they they're going to have this issue trying off. Rafa wanted rid of a lot of these bodies. He wanted rid of Savers on thirty odd grand a week. Can't get rid of him because French clubs won't pay that sort of money for him, and that that is almost the catch-22 situation. But isn't it a little bit scary that actually those wages that you mentioned, 30000 35000 a week, if you look at it in the grown wave, what players are getting paid, paid now, maybe at the likes of West Brom or Stoke, it's actually not. Yeah, and, anecdot- not so and anecdotally, a lot of people will tell you in football, if you speak to, speak to people who are involved in transfers, they're saying it's not necessarily the fees that are the problem this summer, it's the, actually the wages. You know, you're getting some very average players asking for very, very big money. And Newcastle have been put off a few, a few of the kind of deals that they were trying to do by the wages that people are asking for. Um, Last summer, a player asked for eighty grand the same for Newcastle. Yeah, Newcastle best in the chat in the championship. The Newcastle were there. Newcastle yeah. just got relegated. The championship a player asked for eighty grand. And Newcastle's best paid player, which I would think would be Shelby now, was for a while. It was Colacini. He was only on, only on. He was only on sort <laughs> of, I think sixty seventy thousand. He was the top paid player for a while, and then. Shelby Townsend came in in that winter where they were getting they, they were you know they, they broke the wage ceiling to, to sign those players so Shelby will be on a humongous amount of money I, I heard last season he was the best paid player in the history of the championship which is not a surprise really um, but he'll be on a heck of a lot of money but Newcastle probably the lads that they've signed will not be on a heck of a lot of money the wages will not the wage bill will not will not go up significantly um, but that's how they've managed to get players in and you know Save you know, they, they they tripled the wages that he was on at, at um, um, where did he come from? Bordeaux. 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 Um, you know, huge, huge amounts. Tim Krul's on a lot of money. You know, you've got to think that Tim Krul is, you've got to think with Tim Krul, he signed a new deal when, um, with Colaccini, didn't he? And he, well, he signed a new deal last summer, which was just the same, which is an extension. But he signed a new deal when Colaccini signed a new deal when Colaccini was getting looked at by Man City, teams like that. So he'll be on a lot of money. That's the problem for Newcastle. It's wages, isn't it? But the, the, the transfer market generally this summer has been has been really difficult. And I think this, you will see at the end of this summer that there will be some really interesting things come out of what's happened this summer. Um, it's been, you know, quite frankly, kind of ludicrous and sort of a little bit offensive. Some of the stuff that's happened, Neymar is just just leaves a really bad taste in the mouth. Everything that's happened there and. You know, it almost feels like there's three tiers of the game now, and Newcastle are kind of, you know, in the third tier at the top level. You know, they can't they can't do the Barcelona PSG deals; they've never been able to do those um, in the history of kind of like football. But then the second tier of like really top Premier League clubs are now operating in a completely different sphere from Newcastle. Um, and what a shame! You know, Newcastle are a massive club in in, in England. 
and they can't do deals. In fact, Liverpool can't do some of the deals, you know. So yeah, I think we're seeing a, a shifting in the tectonic plates in English football, and um, Newcastle are paying for the fact that the last five years have been grim at Newcastle, and they're having to build, rebuild, and it's going to be a longer process than we thought it was going to be. So just briefly, Chris, just on Xavier, he was spotted in the gallery of the kind of walk-up shots for the, for the uh, Sky broadcasters of the day. Is there anything to read into that? Because Tim Pruel and Nazar weren't pictured in it. It might have been just that the uh, photographer just didn't cap- capture them, but Xavier was definitely in there. Well, at the minute, I think that he is going to be named in the squad. I think that you, as long as he's, he's in and around at Newcastle, he's one of the few who... Newcastle are looking to sell who has been given an opportunity he's played a few minutes in pre-season uh, he went out to Ireland whereas the likes of Lazar, Riviere, Krull who've been told to find other clubs didn't Newcastle certainly want rid of him and, and will get rid of him if they possibly can but I think up until that point he's a player you've got as your asset just just think of the worst case scenario happens Hayden and Colback get injured next week you might need a midfielder well Henri Savi is there he can cover a few positions as well he even played centre back at Bradford which I never expected to see him add again but he's, he's, an, he's another body and as far as he's at Newcastle obviously Rafa sees him offering something potentially in, in the worst case scenario where an injury crisis but I, I don't read into it that he's, he's going to be a regular this season Fantastic right just a couple of questions then from uh, people on Twitter we'll start with Rob Norris who asks um, anything any any news on the sleeve sponsors which of course is the first season where Premier League teams can sell space on their sleeves to you know companies my United are possibly going to sign a deal with uh, Tinder. Yeah, um, anything new- Newcastle-wise that you've heard, Chris? Uh, well, they said in the fans' forum the other week that they have been in negotiations with a few different uh, potential sponsors. I haven't heard that there has been necessarily developed. They seem confident there had been. I mean, with the fact that the season starts a week on Sunday, I don't know if you have to register it beforehand. I'm, I'm unsure on the rules, but you'd hope that Newcastle would be close to the end of that they've released positive information and I know that there have been in discussions about various different sponsors which have gone fairly well for different for other uh, not necessarily just a sleeve sponsor but for other things so I haven't got any specific information on it but hopefully there will be some development there yeah fantastic and Mark Minty asks um, will it be Jocelyn and Perez or will it be one or the other Lucas Perez yes. and Jocelyn um, I would think it would be one one or the other um, and it I think if they if they get rid of Mitrovic, they'll need two, um, and I think they'll try and get two. But if um, if not, it would just be it would just be one, um, which you know I, I I think there'll probably be some money available in January, depending on how Newcastle are doing. You know, which obviously they didn't do anything this January, but a lot could have changed by then. So and one final question from uh, Sean Wales, who asks, what do you think is going to happen with Dijon? I think he'll stay. I think he'll be in and around the team as play on the bench. I don't expect him to necessarily be a regular starter. I think certainly to begin with they're going to build his fitness up slowly. But I think he'll be possibly on the bench most weeks. But I don't expect him to be a regular starter. But I think he he still will be here come the end of the window. Fantastic. So on Sunday it's Verona. Would you like to throw in the first prediction of the season? I know it's still pre-season, but the first game. What would you for the well for this game, Chris? What do you think the score is uh, going to well, be? Seeing as they haven't signed and uh, Cassano, he's retired twice in the last few weeks. I'm going to go with three-one Newcastle. And yourself, Mark? Two-one uh, Newcastle. Fantastic. Well, if you head over to Chronicle Live for all the latest Newcastle United news, uh, we'll bring you live coverage in our matchday blog of the clash against Verona, and then we'll be off looking towards the Spurs game um, the Sunday after. Thank you very much. 
This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.